This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 151. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And today I've got in the studio, I would say, except he's remote. The virtual <laughs> studio. That's right. The virtual studio. Jacob Paulson. Hello? Yeah. Is that my cue to say hello? <laughs> indeed. Indeed it was. Hi. I think you still have a little hangover from, uh, hangover? Layover? No. What's the word? Jet lag? Jet lag. <laughs> that Apparently weird. that's me with the jet lag. <laughs> from uh, We just got back from Milwaukee after attending the 2017 first ever, first annual NRA Carry Guard Expo. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I mostly recovered. Yesterday was rough, though. Yesterday was way rough. I mean, we had to get up at, uh, well, the equivalent for us, mountain time, 2.45 a.m., mm-hmm. catch a uh, really early flight back to Denver here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I got back and, you know, I have a sick wife and crazy kids and trying to get back in the swing of things. But anyway, so folks, uh, thanks for joining us for this episode. Episode 151. Hard to believe we, we hit that 150 mark just a couple days ago with Mark Passamanic. Great interview. If you missed that one, I hope you'll go back and check it out. In fact, the last few weeks, Jacob, we've had quite a few really awesome interviews on the podcast. Uh, let's see. We had Mike Seeklander a couple weeks ago. Andrew Branca following that. And then uh, Mark Passamanic, uh, really uh, in-depth knowledge kind of oriented uh, episode with him. And uh, today you just have uh, Jacob and I. So <laughs> today's episode is going to be basically a recap of everything we saw and were able to do, which we did some really cool stuff uh, at the uh, at Carry Guard Expo. Um, there was some really cool stuff there to see and do. We'll talk about that a little bit and some great new products that we came across as well. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Lethal Lace. Lethal Lace, our friends and, and partners in crime over there at Lethal Lace headquarters, uh, they had a booth at the Carry Guard Expo and they participated in the first ever NRA Carry Guard Expo fashion show. And that was really something. Uh, we saw, what, a couple of dozen folks strutting the wa- the runway, uh, the modeling runway there with all kinds of, you know, concealed carry purses, clothing, you know, shirts, pants, uh, uh, different holsters, guns. Yeah, am I missing anything? Bunch of stuff. Yeah, the guns were awkward, but yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of holsters and uh, a little bit of apparel. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so Lethal Lace was also in that fashion show, and Tessa over at Lethal Lace modeled her her holster. She had like four guns concealed on her, uh, like on her chest, her waist, her small of back, and down on her leg, I think. And uh, that was really cool because she came out and the MC is all like, yeah, and she's got, you know, folks, she's got four guns concealed on her. And people are like, what? Where? You know? And then she demonstrates where they are. Such a cool product. Uh, you know, for you guys out there, if, if your lady friends would be interested in a holster like this, I, I think you should check it out. Uh, if ladies are listening, you want to go check out Lethal Lace. Uh, they won top uh, product in that fashion show. So that was really cool. And we're so excited to be associated with them and have them as a sponsor of today's episode. Do we have a link for Lethal Lace, Jacob? Ooh, how about concealedcarry.com forward slash lace? Works. 
<laughs> we'll get that live. So folks listening to this, if you'll go to concealedcarry.com forward slash lace, you can check out the Lethal Lace Holster. I think you'll really enjoy. Top product at the fashion show. And uh, today's other sponsors of this episode are Mantis X Firearms Training System and Next Level Training's CERT Pistol, including the new CERT Pocket Pistol. We don't have that live in our site yet, but we're hoping to get that soon. So that'll be coming soon, but, you know, the uh, CERT Pistol is a great one. We'll, we'll talk some more about that in a little bit. But with uh, without further ado, let's get into the meat and bones and potatoes of today's episode. So, Jacob... I'm going to throw it at you first. What were were some of the things that stood out at the show for you? Hmm. So one of the first things I saw on day one, when we were kind of walking the the floor there, there was a booth that we walked past that really caught my attention called Snag Mag. Hmm. Yep. And the snag bag is a clever idea. So <clears throat> essentially the idea is that I, and I, I think that we see a trend across the industry, by the way, that more and more, um, more and more demand from consumers for ways that they can carry spare ammo. And we actually are going to talk about two different products that we saw at the show that help you carry more, more ammo. But anyway, Snag Mag is essentially this, you know, Kydex based or plastic, you know, maybe it's, I don't know if it's injected molded or whatever, but it's a plastic uh, mag carrier that clips onto your pocket. So as to uh, appear as if you had like a pocket knife. You know, so imagine a kind of very, very simple, basic uh, clip uh, on your pocket, but on the inside, it's it's carrying a mag for you. Now, here's here's the point. That sounds fairly simple, but what they've done is they've created uh, this method by which when you go to draw said mag uh, from said mag carrier, the entire thing doesn't come loose from the pocket. It essentially has this little hook that that kind of hooks onto the pant so that the mag will come free from the mag carrier and you can perform your reload uh you know correctly properly goodness awesomeness pretty clever product um they just really have the one product right now but they obviously have it for tons of different guns uh, cuz it's very you know it's mag specific in that regard so i i thought that was a clever idea i i just thought hey you know here's a very simple low cost effective way to have a spare mag on you and it does allow for a pretty legit draw you and i were testing it and it it was not rocket science right i mean the magazine comes out of the pocket oriented correctly uh which generally for most people and it is you know, generally preferred. This is how I teach drawing spare mag is to have those bullets uh, or rounds or cartridges. Uh, boy, I'm going to get called out on that. But, but I am talking about the bullet, okay? The bullet facing forward, uh, meaning towards your center line so that as you grab it and bring it up, it's indexed with your index finger as you're going to the mag well of the gun. And so that's what's really cool is you can carry a spare mag in a, a back pocket, a front pocket, whatever. I think it most probably works best, I think, in your front pocket. Is that right? Um, but as you do that, it's oriented correctly. Because anyone that that has carried a spare mag just in a pocket knows that it's going to sort of end up coming out whichever direction uh, it, you know, it, you never know how it's going to come out. And that can slow your reload time substantially. And uh, that's a big deal. So this is a simple product. It doesn't add any bulk. Uh, it works really well. It's concealed well because it just looks like a clip for like a pocket knife and everybody, you know, carries pocket knives. Not a big deal. Uh, but in reality, it's a, sp- a whole new spare mag for your gun and very quick and easy to access and draw and reload. So really cool product. We're always looking for those innovative things at shows like this. And that was just one that we found 
Uh, but there was another one that soon after, or maybe it was just before, I don't remember what order it went in, but it was pretty close to the time that we found Snag Mag. We also discovered the click or yeah, click loader. Wasn't it? Yeah. Click, click loader. Yeah. yeah. Click loader. And so it's a new product. I mean, Brands making new. Nobody's ever seen it before. Uh, patent pending. Uh, it is a brand new invention. And well, although the guy said he kind of had this in the works or he had designed it some time ago, year, several years ago, but he just hadn't had the time to, to really get after it and bring it to market until now. And let me describe what the uh, click loader is. I have here sitting on my desk, I have a speed loader for a uh, J-Frame Smith & Wesson revolver, five-shot revolver. And the speed loader is great because if you want to carry spare ammunition for your revolver, and, you know, I'm not carrying a revolver all the time, but occasionally I do do that. I do carry a revolver uh, as my my, uh, concealed weapon. And, you know, if you can carry a spare speed loader or two as well, then you're in great shape because, I mean, five-shot J-Frame revolvers, not a lot of capacity. If I've got one or two uh, spare speed loaders, then I got five, 10, 15 rounds. And that's 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 a great way to go. Well, the click loader takes the idea of a speed loader, and most speed loaders work in the way where you drop that into the, into the cylinder chambers, and you have to twist it to release those rounds into the chambers. And then you pull off the speed loader and then you close your cylinder and you're good to go. You're reloaded. The click loader eliminates that twisting motion you got to do with a typical uh, revolver speed loader. It's so clever. You drop the rounds in it. You push this little button from the from the back side, the, the top side as you're viewing it, as you're putting it into the gun. Uh, the little, little steel button button. Yeah, button in the center there. Push that. That locks the rounds in place. They don't come out. It, it holds in very securely. You throw it in your pocket, throw it in a little holster for a speed loader or whatever, or whatever. And as soon as you drop it in, a little bit of, of a press, and you get a click. The ejector for the cylinder, it pushes a button from the opposite side that releases the rounds. And they drop right in freely. The speed loader falls right off. You close the cylinder. Bam. Fast. Efficient. Very well done reload. Yeah, it's 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 impressive. And and you know, it's always fun too at shows like this when you find someone who is a very, you know, just an innovating person, a good, you know, inventor, engineer, or entrepreneur, and they are taking something that they put a lot of, you know, blood and sweat into, so to speak, and they're exposing that to the world. And that's a very vulnerable thing. Like, you know, you never know if that first exposure, you're gonna have a bunch of people stop by your booth and say, Well, that's stupid. And, and, you know, that would, that would break a person's heart. Uh, so it's really nice to kind of see some of these ideas um, and how well they're received and what that means, you know, to the, to the designer. And I, I got that sense, particularly with Click Loader, that they really had come to market with something. It was, you know, proving grounds and it was, it was accepted. People were excited. Yeah. And I don't think you would have a single person there saying this was a dumb idea. Uh, frankly, this is one of the first uh, true innovations I've seen in some time in several years that is specific to revolvers. Uh, most new innovative products we've seen hit market in the last couple of years, they're very much semi-automatic focused. Uh, so this was really exciting to see. And we've had uh, the kind of standard, typical speed loaders that folks are familiar with for revolvers for a long time, for many, many years. 
And uh, here, finally, I mean, just out of the blue, somebody designed something that makes it just a little bit simpler, a little bit more intuitive, a little bit faster, uh, with a very simple but very clever idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I dig. Yeah, what's next? Well, I was thinking about Wilderness Tactical. <clears throat> so if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time and you have nothing better to do than remember everything we say, you've heard me talk about Wilderness Tactical before because I'm obsessed with their belt. So the belt I wear, my EDC belt, is made by a company called Wilderness Tactical based out of Arizona. And they they make a lot of products, but I think the belt is the only thing I've ever talked about. And I'm a real big fan of the belt. It's very strong. Uh, it works really well for me. They have a money pouch inside. I love the buckle, blah, blah, blah. But we ran across their booth, and I I come, came to learn a lot more about the different products that they offered and, and how how much quality, you know, some of those products were. And I think we spent quite a bit of time there. And as I recall, you literally walked off with something. Yeah, that, that's right. I, uh, I saw sitting there a little, you know, it looks like a, an ankle holster is what it looks like when you first look at it. Uh, so if you can imagine a elastic nylon pouch sort of, you know, strap that goes around your leg, like many ankle holsters do. Uh, that's what this kind of looks like, but it's not an ankle holster. Uh, it's something I've been looking for. I've seen some similar products out there, and I saw this one, and it, it, it just looked a lot higher quality than some of the other ones I've seen out there. You know, it's got nice, it, it, really nice elastic in it, really high quality Velcro. It's fairly wide, which is nice because it spreads it out over your leg, you know, as you attach it or put it on your leg. And what it is, is it's intended to carry a, basically an IFAC, okay, or an individual first aid kit. Uh, And I, I love this concept of carrying on your ankle or on your leg, you know, concealed a, an IFAC. You got a tourniquet, some, some quick clot, uh, maybe some chest seals, uh, you know, a couple other miscellaneous things, some, some, uh, latex or, you know, that type of glove and all that right there with you all the time. You make it easy to carry. I mean, I'm not going to walk around with one of those IFAC pouches on my hip every day, everywhere I go. That's going to draw some attention. I don't need attention. Yeah. Yeah. And so this makes it so easy to have that IFAC with you at all times in a manner that doesn't attract attention. And believe me, those tourniquets are really important to have. You get in an encounter, you need to use your weapon. And even if it's not for yourself, even if you've got to use it on somebody else, or it could be something as simple as, you come up on a motor vehicle accident and you've got that equipment right there with you right then. You know, what, what combat has, you know, overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan in the last 10, 15 years, what it has shown us is that the application of a tourniquet, well, really the application of stopping bleeding, but tourniquets have been a big part of it. And the science has evolved tremendously. In fact, we did that episode with, uh, shoot, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to apologize. I forget the guy's name, but we had that episode, a number of episodes, a couple of dozen episodes ago about uh, first aid. Uh, and we talked about kind of the evolution of the science behind tourniquets. There, there was a time where we said, hey, can't have that on for, you know, more than uh, an hour or so, or maybe even minutes, you know, or the person's going to run the risk of losing their limb. But what we have found is that Tourniquets can be left on. I mean, it's not ideal, but they can be left on and limbs can be saved 
even being left on on the limb for hours, many hours, and the application of that quickly and the stopping of bleeding immediately increases a person's chances tremendously of surviving, whether that's a Bryant, gunshot wound or uh, or or an accident or whatever. Bryant Garibay. Garibay. Or Garibay. Yeah. Garibay? Yep. Yeah. yeah, that was right. Bryant. Um, friend of our instructor, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And so... I was just really excited to see that product. They also had, you know, IFAC, uh, you know, they had tourniquets and, and quick claw and all that for sale right there. Um, they just in full disclosure, they gave me the little, um, you know, pouch or whatever, uh, to review and demo. And, and so you're hearing about it here. And in fact, that's going to be my pick for today's episode. So I'll come back to that here officially for our picks of the week. Uh, but I went ahead and purchased all of the stuff to put in it. And was super excited to walk away and, and carrying that now on my ankle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was cool. Uh, and they had a lot of other products too. Wilderness Tactical, they had some, I think, very well-constructed and easy-to-use uh, mag pouches uh, that I, I was really impressed with for you know single-stack, double-stack, and even rifle. Uh, I thought those were really nice because they just kind of you know wrap around the belt. You don't have to take the belt off, but they wrap around very securely, and they seem very, very high-quality um, in that in that regard, they and they had some other things too. Um, they make and sell a really cool, uh, nice ankle holster called the Renegade, uh, which is a product design that they actually acquired many years ago. So Wilderness Tactical, a plug for those guys because I just was impressed with how many products they offer that I didn't really know about, and they they really were taking care of people there. Yeah. Yep, that uh, those mag pouches were really cool too. Uh, I'm excited to check some of those out as well. Um, they're really quite cleverly designed. They're easy to put on and take off. You don't have to pull your belt off. Um, and they're universal. So they're going to work with a lot of different uh, uh, magazines and, and, and whatnot. So anyway, uh, let's see. Here's another one. And this one was really exciting to see. Uh, for me, I, I knew that it was going to be uh, presented there at the show. And that was uh, Bond Arms, uh, their new Bullpup 9 now, this is a, a new-to-market. Uh, they announced it, I think, a couple of months ago at the NRA show, maybe even a little earlier than that, but they didn't really have it. I don't think they had it working or in production yet, um, but it has now entered production, so these are now being made. They are being shipped. They're not really advertising them because they're still ramping up production, but they are shipping them, and this is a whole new uh, subcompact or even micro-compact 9mm handgun, semi-automatic, and it, there's nothing else on the market like it. Now, some of you may be familiar with the Boberg design um, of this this gun because they actually bought out the company and bought out this, this design, this Boberg design. They made some tweaks, made it better, made it so it works and that it's reliable. And, you know, it's really hard to do it justice to discussing it and talking about it on the podcast because you kind of – it's one of those things you almost need to see to believe – as far as how this gun works. But what I could tell you is that it has nearly a three and a half inch barrel, but the size of package, this gun, the grip may be a little bit longer, but the length, the barrel, uh, or it's not really the barrel, the slide length uh, is really no bigger than an LCP pistol. Yeah, because the barrel, you know, on on a traditional semi-automatic, imagine that the extractor port, the chamber, sits um, basically 
above and sometimes even a little bit in front of the trigger guard, usually just kind of right above the trigger guard. But on this bullpup, instead, that tr- the, the chamber sits behind the trigger guard, uh, behind the trigger. So, so while the entire you know, length of the gun is not increased, the barrel is increased because the barrel comes back further into the, the frame uh, or on top of the frame or however you want to think about that. So it's pretty clever. And that doesn't mean that in order to achieve that, in order to pull that off, some other things have to change, like the way that the, the rounds are pushed into or loaded into the chamber, for example. They can't be pushed up uh, on a ramp like like traditionally would be in a semi-automatic. So a lot of those things kind of uh, come into play or have to happen in order to allow the, the core design, which is this idea that small gun but still big barrel, in order to make that work. Yep. Yeah, it's a really crazy idea. Uh, you're going to probably see some video from us very soon uh, showing you know, the CEO, Gordon Bond, uh, of Bond Arms uh, demonstrated and showed us that pistol. Uh, we'll get that published as soon as we can so you can really see it in action uh, because, like I said, you kind of need to see it to really understand it and comprehend it and believe it. Um, it it's just amazing. I mean, it's it's a pistol that, you know, granted I haven't shot it yet, but from what I'm told and from what I've seen, I have seen a little video clip of somebody shooting it. It shoots like a much bigger pistol than it is, and its performance is more like a larger pistol than it is. And that's because of this bullpup design that allows a fairly fairly long barrel. I mean, considering its size, uh, it, it's, it's well, it's every bit, you know, I haven't, I don't remember the spec on the, on the uh, Glock 43, but I've got one here, Jacob, and its barrel is, uh, yeah, it's about the same. It's, uh, my, my Glock barrel is three and a quarter inches long. And this uh, Bond Arms Bullpup 9 has a 3.35-inch barrel. That's actually a touch longer than my Glock 43, but it is in a much shorter uh, package than the Glock 43. And that's what's so crazy about it. So you'll get a little bit better performance, a little bit more velocity out of those rounds, but a much smaller package. But probably the one thing I see as being a potential issue, and I think this is fair to talk about, is that it is so short that you may need to watch the the end of that that muzzle because it's going to be shorter than what you expect it's not you know when you look at the trigger guard the barrel and the end of the slide or the front of the slide is not much further past even the front of the trigger guard so those of you that use kind of a finger on the trigger guard type grip where you're you're kind of using that trigger guard as uh, for some leverage it's not really the way i grip mine but i know there are people out there that do that you're going to want to watch it and be a little bit careful as you're assuming your grip you don't get that finger out there and in front of that muzzle, mm-hmm. but yeah. really cool, innovative product. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Riley, let's talk about the man pack. Yeah. Man pack. And that was actually another product that, uh, was in the fashion show. Uh, we had a great time chatting with, uh, Aaron, uh, the president of man pack. And, uh, you know, it was just really cool because the, he started this company, uh, I think with the intent of, of making, um, you know, bags, uh, maybe, maybe started a little bit almost with like, I hate to call them, you know, man purses or merces or whatever. Um, but you know, he, he definitely was thinking, Hey, there's a niche here. There's guys that desire, uh, bags where they can, particularly they can carry concealed, um, off body, uh, in a fashionable pack that looks more appropriate to a man. Uh, and, uh, so he created a man pack uh, really now what, what you see a lot of is he's got some really great backpacks. 
uh, and they have a really thoughtful design has gone into them. Uh, everything is well thought out as far as, you know, there's quick releases as far as straps. Uh, so there, and there a lot of times there's multiple ways you can release those straps. So you can get that bag turned around quickly, get to your gun concealed within that pack. He's also got, um, these, uh, uh, bullet resistant or, you know, they're, they're class three, a, uh, or level three, a rated, uh, uh, ballistic panels that you can also put in some of these bags. So you can have some, uh, ballistic protection as well as carrying, you know, some firepower in a very fashionable, you know, man appropriate, uh, uh, backpack or, or bag. Uh, he, he did comment and kind of joked that, Hey, you know, I was getting some women that also were like, what about us? So he's making some stuff now to, to cater to the, the female crowd as well. Um, but his, the company is man pack and he's got some really great gear. Yeah. Yeah. And he reminded us, we both kind of thought we recognized him and he was actually on shark tank, you know, when his company was very young and, uh, he's had an interesting kind of entrepreneurial journey. He's got some great products and I think it's worth checking out. Uh, I, you know, his packs are really cool. You know, some of those are, are just really slick. But as you mentioned, you know, the addition of a very affordable um, kind of, you know, bulletproof-esque, if I can use the term, um, you know, shield or, or you know, plate, I guess if you want to call it that. It doesn't sound right to call it a plate. But anyway, you know, into, into that pack, that, that's a pretty cool combination. And I think he was getting a lot of attention for that. Yes, he was. Yeah, cool stuff. It's always fun to see that innovation. Now, uh, here's another one, Jacob, and I think you'll agree with me on this, uh, that uh, uh, this was, it was interesting, and it's kind of cool, and it's innovative. Um, This was Yellow Jacket. Ah, yeah. Yeah, and they had some cell phone cases that uh, might surprise some listeners. Yeah, so imagine... You know, remember like the, the, well, I guess they're still around, but kind of these overly large cases for iPhones that have battery packs in them. So the idea is that you basically add, you know, another half inch or something on the back of your iPhone and, and now you have this huge backup battery. Well, this product looks very similar to that in that, you know, you kind of slide your phone into it and it looks like a case with a battery pack. And it does in fact have a battery pack. It will charge your phone, but it, you know, concealed within that battery pack is something you may not expect at all. And that's a, a taser. Yeah. So you, you know, and right now I think they only have the iPhone six and six S right. Uh, yep. Or, or iPhone. No, that's right. iPhone seven and seven S is coming soon. Yeah. That was my impression. But, uh, or wait, they don't even have the seven S yet. I don't think, but anyway, as far as, you know, that, that model being out yet, but, uh, so we're kind of limited as far as model options go, but they're working quickly on bringing others to market. Including yes, they said two Samsung, Samsung yeah, models. Yeah. Yep. And also people are already aware that the iPhone 8 will be coming out sometime here in the near future. And so they're working on that as well. But what's cool about this is you've got a cell phone case that can also recharge the phone if you desire. It's got, you know, a rechargeable battery pack inside this case. And then it's got a button where you actually it's got a it's got a two step process to um, arming this for taser use, and I shouldn't really say taser, right? You know, but yeah. taser is kind of the common word, right? Uh, yeah. Taser, you know, folks are familiar with the the company taser. Actually, they've rebranded. Uh, they call themselves something else now. It doesn't matter, but uh, but you, you guys know what I mean. Anyway, 
you got to hit a switch and then there's a secondary switch. So you got to also turn that on. And then that, that main switch you can push on it and it will activate the, the electrical charge. Uh, when you slide that main switch forward into its on position, two prongs deploy from the end or the top of the cell phone case. And uh, I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, frankly, uh, he says 7 million volts, uh, you know, it's going to cause some pain. It's going to cause some discomfort. Um, it, the noise alone could be a little bit of a deterrent in a lot of situations. So you got that. Uh, for those that might be concerned about quickness of deployment, I would say that if it was in a situation where I was thinking, hmm, might need my taser in this situation, I'd go ahead and hit that secondary switch and have it on um, and then have that main switch ready to go. Um, and, that, and that way you can actually deploy it pretty quickly. But... Uh, it's uh you know really clever i mean to to incorporate that all into a cell phone case now it does add a pretty good amount of thickness to your overall cell phone package but it's something i could see being you know popular amongst a a few folks in the crowd i think it's i think it's clever i think props is is my thought i mean it's great that i mean we all want more battery power i i have a spare battery pack strapped in the back of my phone all the time and so i think that's pretty pretty clever and is assuming you have at least 25% power in that pack, boom, you can deploy. And, and here's what I appreciate about the idea conceptually. That I think the point is that at any given time, you know, people have their phone in their hand uh, or wouldn't cause any suspicion or look bizarre for them to reach for their phone and have it in their hand uh, as opposed to other potential weapons, lethal or otherwise. And so it just becomes very easy for someone who's feeling in a vulnerable position to have that phone in their hand uh, and, and, and be kind of prepared to deploy that if they need to. And so I, I just think that it's, there's a lot of potential for that in terms of the way it, it's applied in use. Absolutely. So, you know, once again, innovation, uh, it's new. Uh, it's pretty cool. And there was something else too that was really interesting from them. And they were, as they were talking about not just the product as far as the hardware goes, but there's some software too. There's an app. And I think he was saying that that won't really go live, I think, until they have their iPhone 7 um, uh, product launch. Did, am I, did I understand that correctly, Jacob? I don't remember when it would go live, only that it's not ready yet, but it will be soon. I, I don't. Yeah. yeah. So what was cool about this was that. When that taser is deployed, the app would automatically launch and it would open up a video recording. And it's not just recording locally to the phone. It's also recording to a, a secure server. So that assuming your phone, you know, perhaps that's the part of the, the reason that you're being um, attacked or whatever, you're being robbed for your goods and for, you, you know, iPhones are, and other devices are pretty popular to to steal from people. Uh, so if, even if they get the phone, there is video evidence of that encounter being recorded to uh, a, a secure, you know, off-site server. And so that, you know, could go a long ways to catching uh, some criminals in the act. Yeah, and, and as soon as you actually hit the button and deploy that taser too, I think it also would like text, you know, five people on a hot list, you know, with an alert and right. ping your location. And I can't remember all the deals, but it was very, it was very proactive and, and innovative and in thinking that, Hey, you know, let's not leave you alone. Let's also get the authority. It might even dial nine one one. I can't remember for sure, but it, it, it sounded really intelligent at the time. And I, now I'm wishing I could recall the, all the specifics. Yep. Yeah, it was really cool. All right, let's get on to another cool product here. And uh, this one, I 
I don't know if it was as cool for you as it was for me, Jacob, but I think it's pretty cool. And we spent a bit of time talking to uh, the folks at Apex Tactical, um, Paul and, and Scott and others there, uh, about some of their new triggers. And, you know, aftermarket trigger, triggers are kind of all the rage amongst, you know, certain members of, of our community. And certainly they have their place, and I think that can be pretty cool. I mean, definitely in, in certain uh, situations, it's it's great to have a, a nicer trigger on your gun. And so two models, uh, one that is uh, fairly new and a second one that's definitely like brand new, like they just, they just got it put together. Um, that is, uh, they have a, a new uh, flat trigger for the Smith & Wesson MMP 2.0, which Jacob, you're an owner of. And so they've got a trigger for that ready. And then they, and by the way, if you felt that one, I know you did, it is substantially, it is vastly improved as far as that trigger um, smoothness and, and the overall uh, press, that uh, that feedback you get. Uh, really nice, succinct click. And then the reset was nice and short and crisp as well. Uh, much better than the stock uh, trigger, that's for sure. And then the other one that was brand spanking new was an aftermarket tr- trigger for the FN509, which is a brand new pistol as of just a couple months ago. Yeah, pretty dang impressive. Um, yeah, I think people are just excited to see them kind of expanding their product line. They're relatively limited as a company in terms of what uh, handguns they're making making triggers for, and that's something that they're they're expanding on. And I think that we saw some some potential there uh, as far as things we could do with them. And obviously, just straight up, I want that trigger on my MMP. Yep. Yep. What's next on your list, Jacob? How about Wyndham Weaponry? I think the thing that probably most tempted Riley and I to get out our wallets. That's right. Uh, if only I had twenty one ninety five. That's right. The show and now it would be what twenty four ninety five. Twenty four ninety five. Yeah. So so imagine. I'm trying to think where to start with this. And, and so that's, imagine and that's two thousand one hundred ninety five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For those who are here, we're missing it. Yeah. If it was been twenty two twenty five bucks, I would have bought it. So what we have is a, a, a AR you know platform you know carbine. But imagine you have the lower in your hand, and the, on the, this lower, you can essentially swap out by kind of sliding in and out the uh, magwell. And this is done to convert the rifle to shoot different ammunition. So if you want it to shoot 9mm, no problem. You slide in the 9mm magwell. Uh, if not, no problem. Slide that out and slide in the you know, 223 or whatever it might be. And what they had for sale was essentially a package that came with the 9mm, the 223, as well as a 22 conversion kit with all the different barrels and everything in one really cool bug out bag. And it was sweet. I was blown away when we walked up and we were talking to them about, I think just one of their, well, it's not an SBR, but you know, their, their, their pistol, uh, AR 15s, you know, uh, I think there was 11.5 inch barreled model, 300 blackout, you know, really nice looking gun. And we were talking to them about that and they're like, well, Hey, check this out over here. And apparently they've had it for a little while on the market, but I think it's still a, a, a fairly new product, but it's one I haven't really seen anywhere. Or I, I, not that I've seen it. I have, I've not seen it get attention or press anywhere. Uh, and so the way that lower receiver came apart where the magwell slid on and off, allowing quick changes to nine millimeter and the two, two, three and 300 blackout. And, and then of course, the 22 long rifle conversion kit all included in this one package. I mean, I was just, uh, you, you know, I was blown away. 
because I, I've just not seen, you know, I've not seen a lower receiver on an AR platform rifle come apart like that, making it so easy to switch between all of those calibers that are not anywhere close to being compatible with each other. Yeah. So that was really cool. Really, it's mean, cool another one of those moments where you just look at it and say, "Why? Why the crap not? Like, why? How? How is it? No one's thought of this. Like, yes, okay, absolutely, we should just slide that on and off." Yeah, and like you said, sign me up. I mean, we were both like, "Oh, I really want it," <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, I didn't go to that show prepared to spend twenty two hundred dollars, so it wasn't happening. Anyway, uh, let's see. Riley, how about uh, UltaClip? Yeah, yeah, UltaClip. You know, they've been around for a bit. And I, okay, in in full disclosure, I've heard of the product many times. I've seen it on various sites. People talk about it. uh, But I had never really looked at it that closely to really understand uh, what what all the the big deal. Yeah, what's the big deal? And so we spent a few minutes talking with uh, with them and with their owner and uh, came away a little bit more surprised and impressed than I anticipated. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're super smart. And here, here's the sort of essentially the gist of the deal. UltaClip is a, you know, not too different than like a third-party trigger. This is a third-party clip. That's all it is. So they manufacture essentially three designs of clips that are meant to I would say primarily they're meant to work with holsters, mag carriers, things like that, though though they had plenty of examples for other use cases. But you would replace the clips that come with your current um, holster, for example, with an Ulta clip. Uh, it would be an upgrade. And, and you know, there's lots of holster providers out there now that give you the option to buy the holster with the Ulta clip direct from, you know, from, from the manufacturer. When you place your initial order, you know, that's a potential upgrade or they just might come with them inherently. So they've, they've kind of made a good name for themselves doing that. And there's kind of what I would call the traditional leather holster style where, you know, it kind of slides into the holster and then the clip sits on the outside. And then they have uh, different other designs that are more, you know, meant to just kind of to screw in to different kind of holsters where, where a clip might traditionally be screwed on. Yep. And, and they've got the, the, the original Ulti clip, which only has one screw or attachment point. Uh, and this would be probably more ideal for your traditional leather holsters a lot of times. Uh, and then they've got the Ulta Clip 3, and that one had the, there's like a slot and a couple of uh, screw, you know, or attachment holes. So that one has a lot more versatility and can be used a lot of different ways. In fact, I, I was so excited when I saw it and realized, you know, I've got a fixed blade knife with a Kydex holster that didn't have what it didn't have the versatility I wanted as far as uh, how to attach it to my belt. And I saw it and I, when I saw the old clip three, I went, Oh bam, that is, that is going on the Kydex holster for my fixed blade. Uh, it's a Schrade knife. It's not anything terribly fancy, but, but, uh, something I've kind of wanted to carry, uh, from time to time. And I just didn't have a good way to do it. And so I've already got my Ulta Clip 3 because uh, I picked one up right from them there. I've got it attached here, and I'm so excited. I, I didn't put it on yet, but uh, I'll throw this on here uh, uh, t- later today or tomorrow. And then they also have the Ulta Clip XL, and that one was really cool because, you know, we're just thinking, oh, hey, this is just a, you know, the bigger version of the Ulta Clip has, you know, a little bit more versatility as far as how it can be uh, uh, attached, or it's a little bit more aggressive in its attachment. But what we didn't realize until 
they showed it to us is that the actual fold down, you know, locking lever part of the clip, when you open the clip all the way out or open, uh, that lever becomes like a multi-tool. Uh, it can be used on a couple of different sizes of uh, hex, you know, uh, you know, like bolts or, or nuts. Uh, so it could be used like as a little mini wrench and also had a flathead screwdriver uh, built into it as well, which actually becomes that, that same screwdriver piece acts as the cam when you're locking that clip onto the belt or onto the pant. That was really cool and extremely clever in its design and engineering. Yeah, I, and maybe we, just to, to be fair, I don't know that we've actually clarified why you would want a multi clip. It, it locks it down. That's that's the point here. Like if you've ever had a clip that slides out, uh, you know, it just doesn't it just doesn't quite hold you know the holster or whatever into the pant. Multi clip is for you. It will lock it down. Uh, here's another thing that that I find is that a lot of times you might have a holster that it you know it, it does a good job of kind of having an S shape and kind of hooking into the pant or the belt but it's not the exact same size as your belt. So maybe the clip allows for a two-inch belt and you're wearing a one-inch belt that day. And so what does that mean? That means you have a lot of play. That means that holster can kind of come up and down. It doesn't really stay seated properly, constantly, steadily. So by replacing those clips with the Ulta clip, it just it just locks it down. It's like a clamp uh, that, that's also a clip. It's right. really cool and it's just effective. Right. And uh, the Ulta Clip, the original Ulta Clip and the Ulta Clip 3 work exceptionally well if you want a little bit more uh, covert, you know, or covertness in uh, how your holster is attached to your pants. Uh, And that's the other thing, too, is that these can be used just by attaching directly to your pants. Because of it clamping down on there, it becomes less uh, necessary that you have a good solid, you know, belt, gun belt, you know, to attach your, your holster to. So, Last thought about UltaClip, just because I think to me it's relevant and important and kind of cool, is that they're, in their logo, the, the letter T is a cross. And this is a Christian-based business. In fact, on their website, it says that the UltaClip values is Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not unto men. So very kind of Christian faith-based company, and and that's very apparent in just their logo design. Yeah. And that's a big deal to us. I mean, Jacob, you and I, we're we're, big big believers in the Bible, and uh, I know other listeners of the podcast will feel the same way. There may be some of you that that don't don't, or don't care. That's fine. Uh, You know, it's a free thought here on the concealed carry podcast. Let's talk about full conceal. <laughs> this was another one of those products. Uh, and you had seen them at shot show, but the prototype they had there, which was the M one prototype, uh, you were like, I don't, I don't think you quite got it or it didn't really make sense to you. You were kind of talking about that a little bit to, to me. And that was probably because I, I still don't get it, to be honest, but <laughs> continue. Yeah. I, I, it looked like it was probably improved upon from Shot Show. Um, and basically, you have a shortened grip on a Sig Sauer uh, P320 uh, pistol. Uh, shortened grip. Uh, it's got a short magazine in there with, like, think, I think nine rounds. And then you've got a secondary magazine that attaches just underneath the uh, where the accessory or the uh, the light rail would be on on the pistol. And it's, so it's directly in front of the trigger guard. And I think the idea is to have a a smaller profile for a gun that shoots more like a larger full-size gun. Uh, but that, that was not so much what I was excited to go there and check out. 
many of you may have seen a viral video going around the interwebs of a Glock that folded in half. And that was kind of what intrigued me. I had to see how this thing worked in person. This was our first opportunity. I think it was the first time they really showed and demoed it uh, in in public like that, at least, you know, to a large crowd. And so the M3 is the Glock 19 that essentially the grip is cut in half and it folds in half. And to make that possible, the trigger guard has been removed and it's been replaced with a hinged trigger guard that collapses and a hinged trigger that collapses. So this whole thing, the grip, trigger, trigger guard, everything with magazine attached in the trigger or in the grip itself, it folds in half back onto the gun. And so you end up with essentially a large, you know, like a Samsung S8 Plus or an iPhone 7 Plus or, you know, kind of these larger cell phones that are kind of all the rage nowadays. Uh, it, it ends up being a package as far as dimensions, uh, you know, height and width ends up being kind of that size. And so it's just one, it's really cool. It's some pretty clever engineering that's gone into it. And it presents an opportunity for people to perhaps carry concealed in ways they maybe haven't done before. I don't know what that would be necessarily yet. And there's kind of that, you got to make a, a use case for this. Um, I, I don't know that I've quite gotten there yet, wrapped my head around it, but either way, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it also allows for higher ammo capacity. And I think that's kind of the objective of, of the design. I think the idea is, let's say, let's make something that's more concealable because maybe perhaps the biggest issue that people have with printing is that the grip of the gun, you know, is kind of always poking out, you know, darn near anywhere you put that thing. So maybe if we essentially make it so that grip collapses into what, you know, what was an L-shaped shape into now a square, then that, that makes it easier to conceal and less likely to print. And while we're at it, because we're collapsing that into a square, we can stick a much larger mag into it because we don't have to worry about that that grip profile sticking out and printing so we can make it longer or you know, taller or whatever you want to consider it uh, as far as that space allows. And so th- I th- that's the premise in my mind is reduce printing while increasing ammo capacity at the same time. And to that degree, I'd say it looks like they've done it. That, you know, we, were, we still only saw prototypes at the show. Uh, so we'll see how that, that comes along. So yeah, the folding Glock, I'm, I'm kind of like with you, Riley. It's like, cool. Like if I owned one, I'd like show it off to people and say, Hey, check out how nifty this is. But for me, like, am I dying to have it and carry it? Nah, not right now. I, I mean, for me, I just don't, I don't see that it's solving a problem that I personally experience. Um, but pretty clever and very impressive in terms of the engineering. Yeah. And by the way, they were using, you talked about capacity. And so they were using those, uh, Magpul magazines that are 21 round. I think they were 20, 21 round, 23, 21. Anyway, like 21 round magazines, nine millimeter, uh, that fit into that compact package. And like you said, that was part of the idea here too, is a, a smaller package with even greater capacity. Pretty cool. Uh, if you're wondering if it was quick to deploy, fairly quick to deploy. I mean, certainly not as fast as me just drawing my gun in my standard, you know, configuration and out of my standard holster. Uh, but if, if for some reason you felt like this was a solution that worked for you and I, I've still got to do some thinking and analyzing and I got to see a, a, a truly working finished product, uh, and evaluate it. And I hope that they'll send us one to, to do that. I, I think they will. Um, then, you know, maybe we'll see if there's a, a very or a valid use case for this. 
Anyway. Yeah, and holster and deployment are going to be the big questions for sure. Yeah, absolutely. How about the something from 5.11, Jacob? We, were, we also walked away from the show with. Yeah, so you've heard, I think you probably remember we made, we talked about at SHOT Show, the Defender Flex jeans. And these were kind of a big deal earlier this year that 5.11 would come out with a pair of denim jeans. And, and you know, kind of what's that all about? And the, the Defender Flex jeans were really kind of a, a way to kind of create a more covert looking uh, tactical pant. So you still have a lot of kind of the bigger pockets, things that can you know carry spare mags, even rifle mags, things like that. But you put it into a package that looks very kind of normal, you know, just a nice pair of looking uh, blue jeans. And so it's a mechanical stretched uh, denim. They're very comfortable. They look very nice. But for whatever ridiculous reason, when they rolled them out in January, I, I think it's ridiculous. Anyway, when they rolled them out in January, they only had the slim leg, you know, slim pant design, you know, what I would call slim the, the t- slim fit. Thank you. And now they have the straight leg and, you know, just barely kind of hatched the straight leg within the last couple of weeks. And so conveniently they had one that was my size and one that was Riley's size. So that those came home. Yeah. You know, I, I did the review on the Defender Flex slim fit jeans several months ago, sh- soon after a uh, shot show. They were kind enough to send me a pair. I wore them. I'm not really into the slim fit, but I was brave and 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 ventured outside of my comfort zone. And I've been wearing these slim fit 511 Defender Flex jeans around and enjoying them quite quite a lot. Uh, but I, I still wanted that straight leg and now I'm packing around, you know, my IFAC in an ankle holster on my ankle and the slim fit doesn't accommodate for that. Now with the straight leg, I can carry that ankle rig. Uh, I could carry an ankle holster with a gun in that if I felt, you know, I needed to do that. I couldn't do that either with the slim fit jeans before. And so you know, they, they told us at SHOT Show, uh, they told me when they sent me the Slim Fit one several months ago that, hey, the straight leg, straight leg ones are coming soon. We'll get those to you as well to review. And I kept asking about it and asking about it, and uh, we finally got our hands on them. So uh, we're going to be watching for an updated review uh, on those. I, I think it's going to be pretty, you know, it'll just be an update uh, because we've already reviewed the pants. They're great pants. You've got, you got uh, pockets that will fit full 30-round magazines. Those kind of sit just behind your hip bones excuse me, just behind the hip bones, uh, you can fit a full magazine in there. I was even experimenting with 33 round Glock mags, uh, which work beautifully in those pockets as well. You got your standard back pockets, uh, for a wallet or whatnot. You got pockets in the front. You got also a special pocket, uh, kind of where your coin, what people call or think of as a coin pocket. Uh, they've turned that into basically a, a magazine pocket. Uh, you can stash a knife in it as well. Uh, Really great design. They look good. Yeah. yeah, they look sharp. So you you get that that blue jean look if that's something that you're into. And I I, I do like that. I kind of stopped wearing jeans though because I wasn't finding jeans that had the features I wanted to accommodate my everyday carry lifestyle. And so these have come along. Uh, they're great, and the straight leg ones makes it even even a lot better. So, yeah, I dig. How about the one of the things that I think a lot of people were most excited to see, but I'll also say it was kind of a frustrating experience, and that comes from our amigos over at Glock. Yeah. 
So the the talk of the town, uh, and 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 in the days leading up to the NRA Carry Guard Expo, uh, the rumor was that Glock was going going to officially, you know, and finally release the Gen Five Glocks, uh, and then specifically the uh, the seventeen and the nineteen. So the Glock uh, seventeen and nineteen models. Uh, they did, in fact, roll those out on Saturday. That was the second day of the show. We we thought, you know, Friday they would have them. Uh, we walked over to the booth. It was one of the first stops. We wanted to see these Gen 5s. We get over there, and they're like, nope, we'll have those out tomorrow. Oh, okay, cool. So we come back. First thing Saturday morning, they've got the Gen 5s out. We're so excited. We're like, hey, here's the Gen 5s. Frankly, uh, we put them in the hands. We, we cycled them, you know, tried the triggers, I was really impressed. It was way better than I expected it to be. Now, if the, the quick, quick and dirty rundown is they got rid of the finger grooves. For for many of you, you've been crying for no finger grooves. Me personally, I've never minded the finger grooves. My fi- my hand fits a Glock very naturally, uh, so the finger grooves was never an issue for me. But for some of you with fatter or bigger fingers, or sometimes skinnier, smaller fingers, those grooves were an, ish- an issue. They've gotten rid of those. I can shoot the the grooveless ones equally well, I think, as as the grooved ones. It doesn't change the grip that much for me. So, hey, it's a win-win for everybody. So, great. You know, they got rid of the finger grooves. That's that's the first obvious thing you're going to see. Second thing, they got a different finish. supposed to be a little bit more durable finish, more rust-resistant. So, you know, oh, and and also uh, a little bit more kind of lubricate like naturally lubricating it feels like a slicker finish now i, I kind of wonder well maybe that makes it a little bit more risky as far as getting good purchase and racking the slide i didn't feel like that was the case uh but it looks like a more durable heavier duty finish on the guns i don't remember exactly what they called that i'm sorry i don't have the notes in front of me um but you know be watching for uh, hopefully a review or something coming up soon on those uh the other thing they did was they changed the barrels. Now the barrels are no longer a polygonal, uh, polygonally rifled barrel. You heard me talk about polygonally rifled barrels with Mark Passamanic. So they've gotten rid of that with these Gen 5s, going to a more traditional uh, uh, groove and land barrel. And supposedly they're more accurate too, I guess. But I always heard that the polygonal ones were more accurate too. So I don't know. Uh, but, uh, if you're a lead ammunition shooter, maybe that solves, uh, you know, if you like to save a couple of pennies per round, maybe that solves that whole don't shoot lead bullets in your Glock issue. Um, but then the thing that really wowed me, Jacob is the trigger. And I think you would agree. Well, I don't know. You, you kind of said you didn't feel it as much, but I definitely sensed. You know, it, it was for me. It was not. Yeah, I didn't perceive a huge difference until I picked up the Gen Four and kind of did them side by side. Then I was like, okay, yeah, it's there. Yeah. But yeah, I, how about that recent? I didn't. Yeah, and that to me that was the biggest difference. Like the the take up and the travel to me wasn't a big different, uh, very big difference. But the reset, I could tell the difference when I was, you know, going back and forth between Gen 4 and Gen 5. And the reset is essentially just a lot shorter yeah. and perhaps a little bit more crisp. Yeah. I, I think you can shoot faster with these Gen 5 Glocks. Just judging by how that that uh, trigger felt and especially that reset, it'll, you'll be a lot faster getting to that reset point and, uh, you know, firing off those rounds quicker. What they essentially did with that is they took the Glock 43 trigger of course, they'd have to lengthen the trigger bar, but there, you know, there's a couple of things about the Glock 43 and 42 triggers that make that give those a shorter travel, and so they essentially put those in the Gen 5 Glock 17 and Glock 19s, and so that's pretty cool. And then they also got rid of the they've gone from the three pin um, 
arrangement with the the Glock and the Glock frame and everything. They've gone back to the two pin, which is what they had with the Gen three, excuse me, Gen twos and earlier. Uh, and it sounds like Gen five is only going to be for right now a, a nine millimeter release. So the Glock seventeen and nineteen at this time. Part of the reason they went to that three pin arrangement was having some issues with the forty calibers, uh, you know, breaking frames around that 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 point where those pins are in the center of the gun holding that that block in place. And so they've gone back to the two pin, which I think is fine with a nine millimeter handgun. Uh, who knows if they do a gen five 40 cal or 45, uh, we'll see if they do anything different with those, those pins. Oh, and then of course the ambidextrous slide stop. And that's another big one too. That's a big win. Um, you can still reverse the mag re- mag release similar to the previous generation Glocks, but you have a 100% of the time ambidextrous slide lock or slide stop uh, on the Gen 5 Glocks. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> now, lest anyone think that that's very little to get frustrated over, that's not the frustrating part. It, and granted that we didn't get to see it on Friday, we had to come back Saturday is one thing. But Riley, what was the drama? Well, you know, here we thought they were announcing and releasing, you know, all the details and the news about these new Gen 5 Glocks, and we're media. We go there with press credentials because here we are on the podcast reporting to you about these things. You'll see some articles from us as well, and so we're thinking, hey, we're going to get some pics of the Gen 5 Glock, and there's already there were already pics <laughs> before they officially released and announced the Gen 5 Glocks that, that got leaked out, uh, and I'm thinking, hey... Now we can actually get those picks for ourselves, put them on our site, and we didn't get those. Uh, yeah, they put the kibosh on that. Yeah, they no said no pictures. We're not officially releasing or launching these until August 30th, and so no picks until August 30th. And I was like, oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that was not cool. Um, it, you know, I, I mean, they're allowed to have rules, and that's no fault of the the poor guys sitting at the booth enforcing those rules. And we but it was a bit frustrating. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess for me it was like, okay, you know, on the first day of the show, I got an email, an official press release from Glock saying, hey, we're announcing that we're going to announce the Gen 5s on August 30th. And I thought, uh, why don't you just send me the email on August 30th? And then we get to the show and they're like, ah, you can't look at them today, but we'll have them tomorrow, which was would have been August 26th. And we're like, uh, okay. So we come back on August 26th, like, yeah, they're here, but you can't take pictures until August 30th. And it, anyway, it just kind of, you know, it's really not a big deal. It's no, you know, no, no big deal on Glock. It just, for us personally, I was like, please let me take a picture. <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen. By the way, there's one thing we we also did not mention, and that was the uh, flared magwell, which is kind of cool. Uh, that should facilitate easier and faster reloads, and I think that's kind of a big deal too. So, to be honest, I also like the way it feels in the grip. Yeah, it it, it does feel. I think I, I do think it's a little bit improved grip. You have a little bit more. You almost have like a rest for the base of your hand, um, and just just that little bit of a swell, and it it just fills the hand a little bit. So. I would actually say that I'm, you know, when I heard rumors about the Gen 5 Glocks, I was like, yeah, I don't know if it'll be enough for me to, to trade in my Gen 4s or, or just go out and, you know, buy a, a Gen 5. But actually after seeing them, you know, with the trigger, the flared magwell, uh, just those two things alone for me I were are kind of a big deal. And um, yeah, I, I might be tempted to, to, to go ahead and pick up a Gen 5. So there you have it. 
one last thing here I think we got to address and then we can wrap it up, Jacob. Uh, and that is the the experience that we had in the back of the show. Okay, they had a large area set up. And this was kind of a joint effort between Sig Sauer and UTM or Ultimate Training Munitions. And so they had what they called the uh, uh, Mobile Tactical Range Experience. And so what they had set up in the back there of the show were a, a series of, of shooting ranges. And they had steel targets in those ranges. Uh, and you're shooting Sig Sauer guns, uh, P320s, P22, P226s, MCX and MPX uh, carbines. And you're using UTM rounds. And if you're not familiar with UTM, I think we maybe have, maybe we've talked about them a little here and there, uh, but, yeah, but probably not too much. I mean, I've been familiar with them for some time and they make some great stuff, but essentially they're a competitor to some munitions. Uh, some munitions have been around a long time. UTM has a couple of things up their sleeve that some munitions doesn't have. Um, they've actually got some, some training rounds. Um, they're not just man marking rounds. They have some things that are civilian market friendly as well. And so that's what's really cool about UTM. And so you could go in there and try out on these live fire ranges completely safely, uh, you know, all these different guns with UTM rounds. And so you're shooting live rounds, but they're training rounds and they're not terribly loud. Uh, but there is some, you know, it's not full recoil, but it's a pretty good amount of recoil. Um, but you're shooting at real targets with live rounds in a safe environment where all that's needed for really the backstop is a really heavy tarp and it stops those rounds. So on the left side, they had all the shooting ranges on the right side. They had shoot houses, what they called them. I mean, yeah, they were shoot houses. They weren't terribly, um, they, you know, obviously you could do a lot more with them, uh, but that was not the intent. It was just to kind of give people a, a little taste of what you could do. And so they had some scenarios set up where you had to run and retrieve um, a carbine from a uh, tactical walls uh, unit. And you grabbed it, you run over to a position of cover, and you address some, some targets. And then you put that down, and then you went to this chair where you had to draw from concealment a pistol. And then uh, there was an instructor there, and he was basically giving you, you know, he's, he's trying to increase your stress and your heart rate. And he's telling you what targets you needed to shoot. And they were labeled, you know, like 72 and 51 and 33. And uh, you had multiple targets you had to address and shoot. And it was just a quick, simple little shoot house type scenario, all with training rounds, all within a convention center. And that was really cool and a lot of fun. I think it definitely helped a lot of people kind of open their eyes to the idea of, you know, how they could expand on their own training. It's for, I think for a lot of shooters, you know, training really consists of going to a gun range and following range rules. And there's, that's, there's certainly a big place for that. But I think a lot of people who attended this event went through those scenarios and said, you know what, I could do something entirely different. And it's not, it's not entirely cheap process to set up, you know, your gun to shoot, you know, UTM rounds uh, at your house, but it can be done. And at very least it broadens a person's vision or, or understanding of, of, of the potential of doing different kinds of training. Yeah, it, it just, yes, like you said, it broadens the potential opportunities that you can uh, use to train. Uh, things that you maybe couldn't do up to this point. Uh, some things that you might be able to set up in your own backyard, if appropriate. I don't know that I would set this up in my backyard. I don't. I know you wouldn't do it in yours, uh, as you don't really have any privacy with your fences. Uh, but uh, it, it would definitely open up the opportunities for many people out there uh, and allow them to train in ways they never have before. 
So, I mean, for instance, if, if the range that you always frequent uh, does not allow you to draw from a holster, you know, and run certain drills, then you could maybe use UTM rounds at home. This is really something you could do in your garage if you really wanted to. Uh, set it up in an appropriate way. They have instructions on their website, uh, you know, guidelines as to how to do it and how to do it safely and appropriately. Um, you you could do this. You could do this right at home and get some realistic training experience using the UTM system. Really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's pretty impressive all around. And uh, you know, that, I'll also say this is one of the cool things about attending an event like this. You know, a person could very well sit at home and say, "Oh, I don't need to go through a bunch of booths and see a bunch of people trying to sell me stuff." But, you know, a cool thing about attending an event like this is that you get to do fun things like walk into that shoot house and shoot some some cool guns and, and ammo that you've never shot before. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think there was any incremental cost to do that. I don't recall. Maybe I'm wrong. But it's just, it's just a cool thing. And, and so attending events like this, you get those kind of opportunities. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, overall, it was a, it was a great show. Uh, it, it, was, it was a new show. I mean, you could definitely sense, I mean, it's a, it was the first time they did this, the NRA Carry Guard Expo. Um, as with all things, things can be improved. Things can be done better. Things can grow. Um, and I suspect that they will do that. And I think it'll be a great show. I look forward to attending it next year. Uh, it's cool that we have shows like this. And also the USCCA does one, you know, the USCCA Expo that would be similar. That's, that's you know, the NRA annual meeting is a very broad show with a broad uh, uh, segment of the industry. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can see there, uh, and that's cool, and it draws in a huge crowd. But this is a show that was very focused on like concealed carry and personal defense, and that that's really cool. It's so exciting to see. We live in a time now when this type of show is it exists and it's acceptable and uh, is enjoyable. And it was great to see all these companies and products come together in one place that is focused on personal self-defense and hopefully makes us all better for it. So um, I think that pretty much, I mean, wraps it up today, but first, before we get too far and we'll have picks of uh, our picks of the week here in just a moment, but I do want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by the Mantis X firearms training system. And let's just touch on that real quick, Jacob. We, we saw them at the show as well and they had a fun booth set up similar. I mean, they do this, I think a lot of the shows they attend where they have their, their training system and maybe I'll let you go into the detail as to what that is, you know, or what Mantis X is uh, in, in, a, in a second here, but, but basically they have a little competition set up and you're trying to get the highest score. And uh, I don't know where it ended up at on the final day, but I came really close to getting the top score <laughs> and you were just, yeah, I'm still, I'm still a little bitter because you beat me and I usually am bitter because you usually do beat me in these kinds of things. But uh, yeah, it, it's cool because Mant- Mantis X, I, we've talked about it many times, cool device. You put it on the front of the gun uh, or on the base as it were. And when you fire, it detects the movement in the microseconds before you break the trigger so that it can detect what you've done with the gun when you're shooting. If you're at, you know anticipating recoil, jerking the trigger, whatever. And it tells you what you're doing so that you can correct and move forward. And every time you break a shot, it gives you a score from zero to 100. 100 being a perfect shot, meaning the gun did not move in even a micro inch when you broke the shot and fired. And <clears throat> so really cool device. And yeah, we, we walked up 
happen. Uh, I think I, I, I know I went through twice because the first one I was not not satisfied with my score. I was in the 80s something percentile on average for you know a ten shot average, and then after that I I don't remember what my score was, but I did break into the leaderboard, but not like Riley did. Yeah, I, last I saw I was in second place, and I was pretty excited with that. Um, I was tempted to try again. Maybe I could have beat that top one, but. Ah, you know, it was what it was. It was fun. It was it was, it was a good experience. So Mantis X is a sponsor of today's episode. Uh, we recommend the product. Everyone we've handed it to, it becomes a raving fan. Uh, it It is such, it has changed me as a shooter in a dramatic fashion uh, in, in that it taught me something about my trigger press that I never would have discovered had it not been, had it, had it yeah, had I not had Mantis X. To, sh- to show that to me, being able to see the exact track of what my hands and my handgun were doing at the moment just before and just after trigger press taught me that I actually was pushing slightly on the, to the left on the trigger. And that's allowed me to make some adjustments and relearn my trigger press so I get things a lot more straight back. I, I thought I was pressing straight back. It felt like I was pressing straight back. But Mantis X is so good and so sensitive I could actually see in my track right at that moment, ooh, there's this slight sideways motion, and that helped me understand and see, huh, something is not quite perfect about that trigger press. Now I can make the adjustment. You Chances are, in fact, I'm, I'm confident that if you'll give Mantis X a chance, you will find that it'll teach you things about your shooting skills that you never knew before. Go check it out at concealedcarry.com forward slash Mantis X. And our other sponsor for today's episode was Next Level Training's CERT Pistol. We are huge fans of CERT Pistol here at concealedcarry.com. We use it in almost everything we do, in every class we teach. Uh, It is such a viable training tool. I know many of you out there already have them, but I know many of more of you probably still do not. And along with Mantis X... I think the CERT pistol is the other must-have training system that you need to add to your training regimen that allows you to do dry fire practice much simpler, much faster, much easier, and a lot more cheaply than going to the range and expending rounds. Not that we want to replace or or get rid of uh, going to the range and, and shooting live ammo and live guns, but the CERT pistol allows me to do dry fire practice on a whim here in the comfort of my own home without endangering my family. And it works so well. This could almost be an unofficial uh, uh, sponsor of today's episode as well with the LASR or laser software program that we are also huge fans of here at concealedcarry.com. It has changed, much like Mantis X has, uh, my training regimen in, in large degree and has made me a better shooter because of it. Yeah, we just can't say enough about those products. Uh, Mantis X, uh, the CERT, and LASR. I, I, for me, it's like I almost am tempted sometimes to recommend those products to shooters before they buy a real gun, but I wouldn't. <laughs> but how about the next thing after your real gun? Yeah, yeah. And so if you're interested in the CERT pistol, I would certainly recommend it to you. You need to check it out. If you haven't already, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash CERT, S-I-R-T. That'll get you there, and and you can buy one of those today. I hope that you'll do it. So that's our sponsors of today's episode. Thank you so much for for you know allowing us to 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 
to give you those sponsor messages. It really, you know, it helps uh, pay for this podcast and make things uh, possible here at concealedcarry.com and all the things we do. Uh, your support of this podcast also makes that possible uh, because you go and check out these products and and some of you choose to buy them and, and we thank you for that. Our picks of the week for this episode today, uh, I am going to give you the first dibs on that, Jacob. It's a Monday episode. We usually don't have picks of the week, do we? Oh, well, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> okay, I got one. So my pick of the week this week is the 511 Defender Flex Pants Straight Leg, which we talked about. Uh, wore those for two days this week. And man, makes me love jeans. I mean, just they're really comfy. Uh, I think they look really nice. Certainly, I've, I felt like they looked really nice. I came home uh, from the plane. My wife said, hey, nice pants. I was like, thanks. Check it out. I have... I can stick a full AR-15, 30-round mag right here. This P-Mag fits in this pocket. So so I, I'm just really excited. I, I think they're really nice. They're very comfortable, really comfy. They look really nice. And so, yeah, that's my pick this week. Yeah, there you go. That's a great one. And, and that would be my other you know, choice uh, myself if you hadn't uh, picked it already. And uh, you're right. This is kind of, I know it's Tuesday, uh, but this is our, essentially our Monday episode of the week. I know we didn't have news stories today, uh, but because we just got back from the show and, and all this stuff, all these new products I thought were uh, newsworthy. Um, that's what, what you're getting today. And so I mentioned earlier, my pick was the wilderness.com is, is where you can check these out, but it, the company is wilderness tactical and it is their, what is it actually officially called? Um, I've got it. I've got it here in my hands. I did have it on my ankle, but I took it off uh, so I could look at it here. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the official name is. I will look that up, <laughs> but it is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, we'll see who fit, finds it fast. It is the, the little, uh, ankle pouch, uh, thing. <laughs> ankle it's Rick. Ankle cargo cuff ankle IFAC. There you go. Thanks so much, Jacob. So the ankle cargo cuff or ankle IFAC product it's super cool. I think everyone should have one of these or something similar so that you can carry that tourniquet, uh, quick clot, chest seals, uh, anything else that you know you might find in an, in a, an emergency IFAC kit so that in the event that you need to save your life or the life of someone else, whether it be because of a shooting, an accident scene that you come upon, whatever the situation may be, uh, this is something I think is a must-have. Uh, you need these types of tools close at hand uh, for those types of situations because it, it will save lives. It does save lives. There was an officer recently, officer involved shooting where an officer was shot uh, and, you know, he probably wouldn't have made it had he not had quick application of a tourniquet. There's another one too. I was thinking too, Jacob. Uh, I think this one was in Las Vegas or somewhere where an officer shot a suspect. Okay, suspect shot at him. The officer dropped the suspect. Suspect lived because the officer pulled off of him, off of his, his duty belt, a tourniquet, applied it to the leg of the suspect that likely saved that suspect's life because he, one of the bullets severed his femoral artery. And he, I mean, there's the videos out there and it is graphic. It is intense. And there's blood everywhere in just a matter of seconds. You know, this guy is going to die before the ambulances get there. I know some of you would be like, oh, well, the guy deserved it. You know, you're shooting at the cop. But hey, you know what? The, the, the focus is stopping a threat. The threat was stopped. And now that focus was able to change to saving a life and 
you know, that dude's going to face, uh, you know, he's going to face justice uh, for the things he did, obviously. Um, so having a tourniquet and those tools on hand close by the wilderness tacticals, ankle cargo cuff slash ankle IFAC uh, uh, ankle rig. This is a product I think makes that so easy and convenient to do. Check it out. Yep. And plus it's made by Wilderness Tactical, which I love. And they're they have a cool tagline. Do you remember their tagline, Riley? Oh, I am thinking, thinking Overkill never fails. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> so any company that says that might, overkill never fails, yeah, they earn points. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that, that might actually be stitched on this uh thing and I look, there's there's a little, little patch there, but it doesn't have that on there. But uh anyway. Cool stuff. There's there's picks. You get a couple extra picks this week, I guess, <laughs> because I forgot what day or what episode we're on. Uh, but we also talked about a lot of products, so I thought it was appropriate to go ahead and and uh, share with you folks what we thought were uh, were worthy of being picks this week. So there you have it. It's time to wrap up another episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast. Thanks for joining us today, uh, Jacob. It's been my pleasure having you on with me. Yeah, appreciate it. And until next time. Absolutely. So we hope that you'll all uh, train well out there, be safe, you know, all that jazz. Uh, I don't have, uh, my brain's a little bit shot on the <laughs> that little message I've been sharing recently on uh, episodes of the podcast. Uh, but uh, train safe, be, be good out there. Uh, we hope that you can, uh, oh, here it is, train right, train off and train safe, fight hard, fight fast and fight true. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. reminder that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws the concealed carry podcast concealed carry inc concealed carry.com and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm related incidents and laws but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this we cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast